0: Another Way to Play, episode 13.
1: Hey, this is Kyle Mitchell, managing partner of Limitless Estates and co-host of the Passive Income through Multifamily Real Estate podcast. If you wanna learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend, Hans Struzina.
2: Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the nine-to-five rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is another way to play with your host, Hans Struzina.
0: Welcome to Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Strazina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is Kyle Mitchell, whose story emulates my vision to a T. Uh, he's a real estate entrepreneur who just recently closed on his first syndication in May of 2019 and has a second one under contract right now. He's the managing partner and co-founder of Limitless Estates whose vision is to provide a class of, living to lower income housing uh, by putting the resident first and instilling a sense of community while inspiring others to do the same. Kyle is also co-host of a weekly real estate podcast called Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate, uh, where he speaks to various experts in the real estate industry to help them educate and create clarity for passive investors. Uh, with a background in operations management and logistics, he's been overseeing multi-million dollar businesses and it, it has a passion for doing the same in multi family syndication space. My conversation with Kyle today was jam-packed full of some really great and practical advice. He talks about his moment when he realized even though he was one of the youngest GMs ever at his company, he realized that the future was not uh, looking the way he wanted it to and what he did about it, which for him ended up being real estate investing. Um, He also gives some great advice about getting out of your comfort zone and committing to doing the work for 12 months. His final piece of advice, which I think is fantastic, is just keep going all out and full in, making sure that you are committing and not uh, looking back and and being willing to do the work uh, when it's required of you. So uh, without too much further ado, I want to get to this podcast. But before we do, I want to remind you, I would love to connect with you personally in the show notes is my Calendly link. Uh, You can find it there along with all of Kyle's information. Uh, Get on my calendar. Let's have a 15 minute chat so I can understand uh, who you are, what you like about the podcast, how I can make it better, and uh, what kind of guests we should be bringing on. So really look forward to connecting with you then. And until then, this is My interview with Kyle Mitchell. All right, Kyle, thank you so much for sitting down and uh, having an interview with us on the podcast today. Really appreciate your time. Hans, thanks for being on. I'm
1: honored to be on your show.
0: Well, thank you. I I really uh, got initially connected you with you through some other podcasts, uh, the best ever. And then I've been a listener of your podcast, so I'm excited to hear some of the answers when you're you're on the other side of the microphone here. We we gave the intro already, so. why don't we just give a little background on on where you came from and how you got to where you are? Uh, So why don't you tell us where your journey actually started?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So my journey started really when I, um, I've been in the golf business my entire life. I started playing golf in middle school and I quickly fell in love with it. I was the type of kid who played five or six different sports, but when I found golf, I quit every sport to kind of pursue it. So Um, I've been playing golf since I was about 12 years old and naturally I just got in the golf business because I was in the golf world, right? So I got a summer job at a golf course and then from there it kind of slowly built up to got a promotion as assistant general manager, then got a promotion to a general manager. And, uh, by the time I knew it, I was a regional manager for this company at a very young age and I actually did not go to college. I went, I did spend one year at a, uh, at a community college, uh, playing golf. And um, while I had that part-time job with the golf business, I played golf professionally as well for about a year, but uh, quickly learned that uh, it's a tough business to be in. I ran out of sponsorship money. And so I jumped into the corporate world. And um, that's when, uh, you know, I got, like I said, I got promotion after promotion and was a regional manager for a golf management company for about 15 years. And uh, learned a lot about how businesses work, you know, driving revenue, uh, controlling expenses, um, and managing people, which was the the main thing I learned from that position. So from there, I, I had a good job. I was making well into six figures, and I thought I was good to go. And, um, you know, by the time I, I looked up, I just thought, man, where am I going to be in, you know, 30, 40 years? Um, this was not an employer that matched 401k. And it was just, um, it, it was going to be a grind for sure. You know, it would be one of those things where I would work for 30, 40 years, and hopefully at the end of that, I could retire and have a good nest egg. And so I just thought, you know, that's not what I want. And so I started listening to podcasts, reading different books, and really starting to think of other ways that I could could get out of the rat race, I guess you could say. So I found real estate and I started just educating myself. I started investing in single family homes here in Southern California back in 2013. Um, and then I also bought some out-of-state properties as well um, and quickly learned that it's tough to scale uh, when it comes to single-family homes. So I started looking into a couple other things, and that's when I found multifamily, which is what I do full-time now. We purchase out-of-state apartment buildings um, in the Arizona markets and uh, focus on multifamily solely right now. So that's kind of my journey on how I got to where I am.
0: Man, that that is a lot. You've had a, a pretty full last 15 to 20 years here backing up just a little bit here you you said you kind of found yourself at a fairly young age in a management position can you can you talk to us about that progression from as you put in your bio uh you were just a cashier basically in the beginning and then you progressed over a very short time to to a high level management position by the time you're in your very early 20s like what was that psychology like for you and how did that kind of set you on the path to a 15 year career in, in the golf world
1: yeah so I was a general manager at 21 which at the time I was the youngest general manager ever hired by this company and I think the way I got it was just my work ethic you know I I was just the type that I, I'm just a type a personality and I think they liked that a lot and so they decided to give me a chance and I wasn't educated like I said I I didn't go to college for it but it was really the work ethic and then working for that company by that time I had been working in, for three or four years. So they had been able to, you know, see the type of person that I was, but the mindset was really a shift at, the, at that age, um, which was 16, 17 years ago. Now I was 21 years old. I probably looked like I was 15 years old at the time <laughs> and I was managing people who were two or three times my age. And so for me, that was a hurdle to get over for sure on the self confidence piece. And it was something that I had to do quickly. And I learned how to manage people and really. When you're managing people, you know, there's two different ways to do it. You can be, you can use brute force and say, Hey, I'm the, I'm the boss. This is how it is, which in my opinion is not the right way to do it. Or you work together with them. And that was the mind shift set that I had to get through is, Hey, these people are my partners. They're here to work with me. Let's form a relationship with these people and work together with them, not me working above them. Um, And it became a lot easier to manage a property and manage other people Um, and, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the mindset shift that I had to go through at a very young age to, to manage a property, uh, at the age of 21.
0: Man, you, as a 21 year old, you're managing what I'm assuming is 40, 50 year old people, uh, in the golf business, which, which has sort of an old boys club built in and, you were humble enough and had the foresight to be like listen i'm the young guy here i got to work with these people and figure it out and and thinking that i'm awesome and you know i got this promotion faster than anyone um you could have come in with a big ego but you didn't you tucked that away and you and you got down to business and and put the mission uh of whatever you were doing at that time ahead of you know, your, your superiority or a complex that could have formed at an age like that?
1: Yeah, I'll be honest, I would love to say that I had that foresight. uh, But I think it was more fear of failure for me. And, uh, you know, I was definitely hired in before I was experienced enough to do that job. And I knew the company took a chance on me. Mm -hmm. And so from my perspective, it was just, look, do everything you need to do to get the job done, work your butt off, and everything will be okay as long as you do that. So it was more kind of coming in from the lack of confidence uh, starting out, and um, it kind of morphed into, you know, it getting the foresight eventually to understand how to manage people
0: properly. Wow, okay, so even, <laughs> so that was an even better answer, I think. Is that one of the things that you think really set you apart uh, from your peers or some of the people who were in your same age group at, an, at that early level?
1: Yeah, it was, I would just say it was my work ethic, you know, and I would just do anything that it took to make sure that the company, um, that I was doing what the company wanted. I was definitely a, a company person, and if they asked, I did it. And I think that is what set me apart right there, because a lot of people, I think, that are more experienced, you know, they say that when you're going into something, it's almost better to have someone that's brand new to something versus someone that is, you know, 20 years of experience, because it's hard to teach, you know, an old dog new tricks, as they Mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. I don't know how true that really is. But um, when I was first getting that job, I was just open to learning and and having everything come in. So I was someone that they could mold into what they wanted. And I think that's, that was one of the benefits.
0: You've said, you know, your company person, they took a chance on you. You were molded. Like who were these people who were actually involved in your, in your development?
1: Yeah, it was just my boss who was a regional manager at a time at the time. And then other people in the, so we were a big company at that time. We had 500 golf courses that we managed and, uh, that was across the entire nation. We actually had a couple overseas as well. So they had a big corporate office and I just, uh, I was known as you know the young kid on the block. So everyone wanted to kind of try and help Kyle and things like that. So I started to form these really cool relationships uh with some people at the corporate office who helped mentor me and train me, and then also my boss at the time, which was my regional manager.
0: So you really reached up in essence, through though through the normal channels of a of a, a large corporation, got some mentorship and then latched on to what they were saying and did everything you could do to succeed with that advice that they gave you.
1: Correct. Yep. That's basically the path I took. And uh, looking back at it now, I think it was a great experience. And I probably would not have learned as much if I wasn't as open-minded as I was.
0: Speaking of that, is there anything that you would have done differently given hindsight is twenty twenty?
1: 20 That's a tough question for me because I learned so much in the golf business and a lot of people don't relate golf business to what we really did. But, you know, I managed 250 employees. I hired and fired, um, you know, high level uh, people and we managed over 20 million in revenue. So it was a very big business. And so I learned everything that we're doing now with our real estate company through that company. So it's tough to say I would do something differently because I wouldn't have It took 15 years to learn everything that I know now, right? But on the other side of it, if I would have started being an entrepreneur when I was 21, where would I be now? So it's kind of that catch-22. So I've learned so much through the golf business and what I did, so I don't think I would change anything, but it is in the back of my mind. You know, man, if I would have started earlier as an entrepreneur, would I be in a different spot? So.
0: But as we sort of touched on earlier, as a 21, 22-year-old, you may not have developed the discipline or the, the people skills or the management skills or whatever. And I mean, gosh, there's, as long as you're open-minded to you know, learning on your journey and constantly improving, you can always keep getting better and probably do a hockey stick if you want to look at it on a, on a graph level of your success in, in a later venture based on the foundation you built at your golf or your big corporate job.
1: Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I have a lot of close relationships that I built with uh, through that company, and I would not have those today if I didn't uh, go the route I did. And so I'm grateful for those. And, you know, a lot of those people were just at our wedding a couple weeks ago and um, and are uh, partners with us in our business. And so, you know, looking back after thinking about it, you know, I probably wouldn't have done it differently. It would have been nice if, if it would have um, accelerated a little faster, but uh, I'm happy where I'm at and grateful for where I'm at
0: awesome well that that's perfect so there comes a point at which you're making well into the six figures you're managing 225 plus people you've you've got a lot of responsibility as a young person in your 20s and into your 30s then you start like looking around and you're like okay what where do i go from here can you can you take us into the mindset of that decision making and then when you decided real estate was maybe a vehicle to offset some of that uh fear of the future
1: yeah I was at the point where the company was actually shrinking a little bit. They were trying to downsize. And um, I was basically at the number one public golf course in the company as far as our portfolio was concerned. And the only way up was to get an executive level job. And with the company shrinking, there was less and less opportunity for that. So when I realized that the likelihood of me moving up in the company was starting, the percentage was starting to go down versus up. I started looking at other investments or other ways to make uh, some extra money and possibly see if there was another way to, you know, to live my life. And that's when I found real estate. Um, I have never been someone that invested in the stock market. I invested once in high school and I lost my money in like two weeks or two months (laughs) or something. And it was just a horrible experience and I just had zero control, right? And so my biggest thing is I want to be able to have some control over how my money works. And so... That's why I love real estate is you can have as much control or as little control as you really want. You kind of dictate that um, by the investments that you choose. And so, like I said, I started reading books. um, I started listening to podcasts. I started going to seminars and talking to people on the phone and I quickly just fell in love with real estate and I wanted to learn more and more about real estate. So I actually got my real estate license here in California and I didn't do it because I wanted to be an agent. Uh, In fact, I don't want to be an agent. But it was just something that helped me understand real estate from another perspective. So Mm -hmm. I did that. And then I started buying single family homes. And that was mainly from a passive standpoint. I bought some turnkeys out of state and they were producing some passive cash flow. But it wasn't enough to be able to leave my full time job, which eventually became my goal. Uh, I I read a great book by Robert Kiyosaki. Everyone's heard Rich Dad Poor Dad. I would also uh, suggest reading Cash Flow Quadrant. Yep. And it teaches you how to become an investor and a business owner versus, you know, a uh, self-employed person or um, a, uh, a, a co-worker or an employee, right? And so I really wanted to get to the point where I was an I, which is an investor where your money is compounding and making money for you while you even sleep. And so it was tough to scale with single family homes and I wanted to find something else that was in real estate. Um, but maybe could get me to where I wanted to get quicker. And that's when I found multifamily and I, I absolutely fell in love with it because multifamily follows the same exact guidelines as what my, what I had been doing for the last 15 years, which is increase the revenues, you know, control the expenses, and the better your bottom line is, the more that your apartment building, your multifamily building is going to be worth. And it's based on a multiple, uh, which is the cap rate in that given market. So it's exactly what I've been doing for the last 15 years. It fit perfectly. So I found it and kind of it's history from there. I fell in love with it.
0: So that sort of goes back to laying that foundation with, with something, whether that is a big corporate job or an experience you, you build on your own and then applying that to a new venture, which is what you're in the middle of right now. Can you, because there's a lot of people that are listening to this show that are probably at that tipping point where you were looking forward like, hey, maybe my company's downsizing or maybe like I'm capped out at where I'm at and I don't necessarily want to step into like an executive role or um, I don't see an opportunity opening up for 10 years. Maybe I need to start looking around for something else. Can you give us a little bit more insight into how you made that decision to pull the trigger on your first investment property and then how that sort of snowballed into you opening up your own syndication firm
1: yeah so the the investing in my own property it was when i was probably this was 6 or 7 years ago and at that point i did not have it in my mind that i was going to leave my job i wanted to just build up more income um, and more passive income and start putting my money to work. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I had some money saved up and, uh, I've always been a good saver. So I just put that money into, into the properties. And at that point I had also had my own single family home and, um, we'll get into this later, but I, you know, a single family home is, is more of a li- It's a liability. It's not an asset. So I sold my single family home and took that equity and put it into income producing assets. Uh, as far as when I decided to start my own firm was uh, a couple years later, and it was when I fell in love with multifamily. I just knew I wanted to do that I knew I wanted to be in that business and i met I was at the point in my life where if i didn't do it now um, i probably wouldn't I probably would never do it because I was getting married um, in in a year. And, um, there are just things changing in my life where, you know, we, we need to make sure that we're kind of underway and, and having a stable income by a certain, uh, by a certain amount of time. So totally. I had been planning to leave my job though for a year and a half, two years before I did it. And I made sure I had saved enough money. My fiance at the time and now wife, uh, was okay with it. She understands what the long-term goals are. Our goals are aligned on that. And we know that you know our company is more about building long-term wealth than it is get-rich-quick. And so it's going to take a while to build that up. So it was a situation where all the stars kind of aligned. It was time for me to leave my job. I had been at this certain golf course for eight years. Um, it was time for them to switch over, and uh, it was perfect time for me to exit and start um, building up our company, which we had started 10 months prior, right? So it wasn't like we started our company the first day that – uh, I left my full-time job. We had been building up our investor list. We had had a meetup by that time for six or seven months. Our network was getting bigger, and we were just about to start the podcast. So our company was well underway when I decided to leave my full-time job.
0: Another story that I found fascinating uh, on the when I when I heard you on the uh, best ever podcast was. That you would literally drive over to the Arizona market where you 're investing in now, like like you 'd leave at like two or three a m from Southern California and get in there, drive the market, meet with brokers, and then obviously you 're doing all this other side hustle work, building your investor list, you know educating yourself on how to how to buy, how to hold, how to manage how to how to speak the language so that people trust you and all that. Um, while working a full-time job. can How long did that process really take? Was it really like a full two years or did you feel like it was longer than that?
1: Well, so we started our uh, multifamily company only about 11 months before I did decide to leave. So I had been planning to leave my full-time job for two years, but the first year, it was really trying to find what, what vehicle was going to be that, what path and vehicle was going to get me there. So then we found multifamily. But um, yeah, we had been driving the markets for quite a long time. Um, And between my wife and I, uh, we basically worked six days a week. And the one day that we would take off would be the day that we would drive to Arizona. Um, And so, yeah, we would leave at two in the morning and get back one or 2 a.m. the next day. Um, and you know, we did that once a month for five or six months and uh, I still do it today. Uh, my wife still has her full-time job, but sometimes we'll fly into Phoenix, drive to Tucson, drive back, but they're all, you know, 14 to 20 hour days, um, making sure that we're being getting established in the markets that we invest in and building the relationships that we need to, to get to the next level.
0: There's man like you, there's so much in here to unpack i mean you've got you you basically were running two jobs at the same point for over a year um before you ultimately made the shift out of the golf world and into real estate and then you've just been doing the work and and putting in the time to educate yourself but also build the relationships that you need to build in order to be successful. Can you, can you maybe give some advice to some of our listeners who are thinking about, uh, maybe they've got an idea for an online business or they want to get into real estate or whatever it is. Um, but they haven't really, it's stored, it's still in the idea phase. Like what would you tell that person if they're, if they're doing the nine to five thing and then, um, thinking about taking that, that plunge into the entrepreneurial world?
1: Yeah, I would say a couple things. Number one is get out of your comfort zone. And if you're not willing to get out of your comfort zone, then maybe it's not for you um, to become an entrepreneur and start your own business, because really that's what gets you to the next level. And it's something that I do now with my wife that we try and do two or three times a year is do something that takes us out of our comfort zone. And by just doing that, it's helped us grow exponentially. And then what one of my mentors always says is do the things that other people are not willing to do, right? And if you do those things, maybe over the first couple of months, it doesn't work or it's not going well because it is a little out of your comfort zone, but you're doing things other people won't do. You're going to succeed. You're going to pass people up. So if you have something that you're interested in starting, you know, the first thing is, are you willing to put in extra time? after you get off work every weekend for a year, I mean, that's what we did, you know, on my weekends, I was not, you know, going out and having fun. I was sitting here building our trip campaign and talking with investors and working on all the things that I needed to get done to build our uh, real estate business. Um, And then during the weeks, we'd be going to meetups and meeting people and talking to people. I mean, we'd be going two, three, four times a week. So, um, and building those relationships. So, I would say if you're not willing to do that for the first 12 months or, or whatever it may be, or six months, then you're probably not going to have the drive that it's going to take to run your own company. Because when you run your own company, when you're an entrepreneur, you're in charge of your own time. And so if you want to, you know, only work two hours a week, well, you can. And so you need to be a self-motivated, self-driven person. But Um, going back to to my advice, it's get out of your comfort zone. If there's one thing that you can do that will help benefit you, even if you're not going to start your own business is get out of your comfort zone with something and and you will see your life grow exponentially.
0: That's amazing, amazing advice. And I a hundred percent agree with it. When I, my now wife and, and fiance and girlfriend at the time, we wanted to buy, start buying some real estate for ourselves uh, instead of doing Netflix every night, we made a goal of just saying, okay, tonight we're just going to do three properties in the property analyzer, then we will do Netflix. And most of the time, we would spend about an hour and a half doing properties and no Netflix. Sometimes we'd get the Netflix in, but we would be like, all right, we're this is important and, and we got to get to at least 30, 50 properties through this analyzer before we know this market in any reasonable semblance of a way. And we ended up finding our first investment property because we're like, let's just do one more. And the one more was the property we ended up buying. And it's, and it's a great first one for us.
1: Yep, absolutely. I mean, I'm a Tony Robbins guy and I'm on the board behind me that no one can see, but it says uh, just, just two millimeters further or like the book that I really love is three feet from gold, right? Don't give It's that one extra push that's going to get you uh, ahead of everyone else.
0: So that's an interesting point. Um, there is such a culture uh, on Facebook, on Instagram of like hustle, grind, keep going. You know, you listen to any motivational podcast, it's, it's comments like that, which I 100% agree with. But do you also think that there's a moment at which you need to decide whether it's time to pivot and, and get away from your goal? Because maybe you're just not cut out for it, or maybe it's just not going to work.
1: That's a tough question and I love the question. Um, And I am of the mindset that you've just got to go full out and all in. And if you really go full out and all in, I think that you'll succeed. I, I really do. You know, um, kind of going along with what you're saying on the on the three property analyzer, everybody works in a different way, right? Their mind is my mind does not work the same way as your mind works or my wife's either. But for me, what I need is to write things down and to have a plan in place before I do it. So if I came home and I was like, okay, I need to do three three analyzing uh, analyze 3 deals before I watch netflix and it wasn't something that i had planned out before it's easier for me to just go watch netflix right but if i write it down on sundays which i do every sunday i write down everything that i need to do to move my business forward that week if it's on my list it needs to get crossed off that's just how my mind works and so now Every day I will come and analyze those three deals if I had it written down. But I think that, um, and I may have gotten a little off subject there, so I apologize. But um, I think that if you go full out and you have a plan in place and you just worry about executing the plan and then also model yourself after people who are already doing what you want to do, you're not going to fail. You're You're going to learn as you go. Yes, you're going to fail on this small thing here, this small thing there. But at the same time, you're going to learn so much that you're going to be able to take your business to the next level. So I would say just go full out.
0: And in that vein, you you said every Sunday you write down a list of how you need to move your business forward and and then you execute by crossing that list off by the end of the week. And I'm assuming you have a goal of Saturday or Sunday. It's got to be done or, or else, right?
1: Yeah, every, it's, I get a full week to do it. I work on the weekends, especially right now because we're in the growth stage, you know. And so, yeah, I, I take a look at that list and then and I try and get everything off that list. There's something about crossing something off a list uh-huh. that just feels really good, right? I mean, one of my things is calling 50 investors a week and, and seeing how they're doing and catching up with them and, and seeing if I can do anything to help. Well, that was my goal. And until I wrote it down, I never did it because I can say, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. But when it's written down, I know, okay, well, if I don't call 10 in, ten a day and I wait till Friday, I'm going to call 50 people. So, you know, I'm really diligent about it, it's right here. You know, I have it right next to me every day and it's, it's here during my entire work day and I'm looking at that list. And if things aren't getting crossed off, I'm not feeling productive. So again, it goes back to under, trying to understand how your brain works and mm-hmm. how you get the most out of what uh, you need to do. You know, some people work differently than others um, totally. and uh, you've got to figure out what, your, uh, what the best way is to get the best results out of yourself.
0: What are some of the other ways that you've found to control your environment for success? The list is obviously a really great practical example of that, but do you have any others that, that you've found particularly useful?
1: The list is the biggest thing for me. Uh, One thing I need to get better at that I'll kind of call myself out on is time blocking. I think it's something that is hard to do when uh, you haven't done it before. But I think time blocking is very essential. You know, so from 10 to 11, I'm going to do this. From 11 to 12, I'm going to do this. Um, and be really disciplined. Shut down your email, focus on that one thing, and you can knock things out quicker. And so that's something that I'm trying to implement right now. I don't do it, you know, on my full day, but I'll do it from, you know, a couple times here, a couple times here throughout the week.
0: Totally. And and that is something that I definitely have to get better at as well, because it's so easy to get distracted by an email that comes in or a client or whatever. There's a a question that I've asked a bunch of different people, so I am curious to hear what your answer is. Um, how important do you find passion to be in what you do? And and by that I mean, there's a lot of advice out there that says follow your passion, the money will come. I don't know that everyone's in quote unquote passionate about apartment buildings or um, you know creating widgets, whatever those things are. But maybe they're passionate about um, the way. The, the way that they do business or the, the people that they're helping or something. Do you have an opinion on the passion conversation?
1: I think it goes back to knowing who you are. For me, I have to be passionate about it because if I'm not passionate about it, I won't work on it. You know, I won't spend the time necessary to get to the point where I want to be. Um, and maybe, maybe you're passionate about money and, apartments is your vehicle, but you're passionate about the money. So you'll work hard or, you know, you're passionate about helping other people and providing a better living environment for the people that live in your properties, which is our why and why we do what we do. And so we're passionate about that. Um, do you need passion? No, but you have to understand the type of personality you are. For me, I need to be passionate because I know I won't work as hard if I'm not as passionate, but other people are wired differently.
0: Totally. So it really goes back to knowing yourself and knowing what works for you and what's important for you personally.
1: Yeah. And be honest with yourself. You know, there's no right or wrong way. Uh, You've got to just figure out how you're wired and play to your advantages.
0: Absolutely, and uh, I we're getting towards the end of our time, so I do want to be respectful of your time. But can you tell us real quick? Um, you you had your first real big success with your company. You just you've syndicated your first deal just recently, right? Can you
1: yeah, close on that about two months ago, and we just have um, another one uh, under contract now.
0: Right on. Can you um, talk to us a little bit about that and a little bit about? what you're doing and 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 how your passion for what it is you're doing has led to these two successes so far
1: yeah so we just closed on a property in tucson arizona which is one of our two markets we focus in arizona so phoenix and tucson and um, right now what we're doing is we're putting money back into the property and making sure the living environments are number one safe um, and and more appealing for for the residents our goal is to make sure that we provide good living conditions for. Uh, workforce housing type of um, tenants. And so, and we call them residents. Um, And so that's what we're working on right now. And it's, you know, it's definitely a a one thing at a time, but uh, we're we're making the property safer and better for people to live in.
0: Absolutely. And it's interesting because you're talking, uh, and when you go on your website, you'll see this immediately that you talk about providing class A, uh, living to, you know, a lower income or working class, People, which is not a con, not a tagline that most people are putting out there in the real estate space or in general right now. It's it's more about either making the most money or getting the best property or something like that. You're you're taking a little bit of a different, niche approach to this.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people when they think of Class C housing, which is an area that we focus in, they think of uh, the the slumlord type of. Yep. Um, approach. And it's just certainly not something we do. And, you know, we want to make sure I mean, these people are working, working people just trying to make a living. And the environments that some of these people have to live in is is pretty sad. So we want to do things like one of the things that we're doing is we just included a dog park in our place. And we're going to have a pet adoption day to, um, you know, have people come out and and be able to adopt a pet and things like that. But it's, you're seeing those things at more class A properties, you know, Um, We have a camera system in there to make sure people are safe and and, um, don't feel like, you know, they've got to be worried where they live and we can have um, just security around. And so there's things like that, but we also want to partner with local uh, nonprofits in the local area to help get everyone who lives in our properties to the next level, whether that be just educating themselves on something that they're interested in or getting their, Um, their kids, a little bit of extra education, whatever it is. And so it is property specific because we want to work with local organizations that uh, border these properties. So if we're buying one in Phoenix, it'll be a different organization than the one we're buying in Tucson. And so we just bought the one in Tucson. So we're still working on partnering with someone in that local area, but it really is a case by case basis, but we want to really help our residents get to the next level in life.
0: So, other than being a really amazing human thing, just a nice person thing to do, do you have like a business strategy with that as far as like keeping tur- turnover lower or just having a better quality, you know, people taking care of the property? Or is, is it just simply like, this is my mission and we want to do the right thing and, and provide people a great place to live and that's it?
1: Well, it's twofold because obviously we have a business to run and we need to be profitable. But I do think that Number one is them first, right? We want to do what's right by the residents. Number two, yeah, I do believe that there'll be less turnover. I mean, if people enjoy where they live, why would they move? And if you're doing everything you can to add value to people, which is another thing that I would tell people who are just starting out is to add as much value as you can and free value um, to help grow your business. Um, But yeah, we want to add value to people. And in return, I think they'll stay longer. Uh, They'll treat the property with more respect. And then ultimately, let's just say we do go into a downturn, where would you want to live more? A place that helps our residents uh, during that downturn or someone that is trying to kind of get the last dime out of your pocket and doesn't really care about anything else?
0: Yep. There's, there's so like that on its surface, a dog park and and education doesn't seem like a really great bottom line ROI driven decision if you're going to look at it just from that lens, but ultimately it, it probably is.
1: Yeah, it's all about the long term. I mean, we don't think short term, oh, this is going to save $250 or $1,500 today. What is this going to do for us three, four, five years down the road? How's it going to position our asset, our residents, and our business down the line? It's it's more bigger
0: picture thinking. Man, I could... Go deep with you on this all day, but I do want to respect your time and uh, really appreciate you coming on. So, unfortunately, we're going to have to transit Well, fortunately, because I'm excited to hear your uh, answers here. But I, we're going to transition to the final segment of the show called the Focus Five, where I ask the same five questions to every guest every episode. I'm really excited to hear what you have to say. Are you ready? Let's do it. Cool. First question is: What book have you g- gifted most often?
1: That's going to be um, Hal Elrod's The Miracle Morning uh, changed my life a couple of years ago. I don't do it. Uh, I don't do it exactly how the book says it, because like I said earlier, it's important to find out how you work and how it works best. But that that book is an amazing book and uh, got me really started to where it helped me get to where I am now. No doubt about it.
0: I'm in your camp 100 percent on that one. I did the same thing. If you could get an hour of someone's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, uh, who would that person be and why?
1: Yeah, I went back and forth on this one. And um, I have so many people, but I I really respect Tim Ferriss. And Mm. I love how he structures his interviews. And he's someone that I listen to his interviews so I can improve on our interviews with people Uh, on our podcast. So, you know, someone who's alive now, I would say Tim Ferriss for sure. And I would just ask him what goes into his preparation um, and what is his thinking behind asking the questions that he does? Because I I think he spends a lot of time thinking about those interviews, which is why they're so long, but I just find them um, really, just really, really well done.
0: Absolutely great answer. Uh what is one thing that you believe that most people would disagree with you on?
1: So I said it earlier and most people who especially who are not in kind of the business mindset or um uh real estate world would think that their primary residence is an asset and it's actually a liability. You know, anything that is not making you money on a month-to-month basis and is actually taking money out of your pocket is a liability. So, um yeah, that's what I would say.
0: It's funny. I had, uh, Justin Richards, who's a real estate agent up in Seattle and and we actually almost went a little too deep on that. And it's funny coming to real estate agents who both felt like it fell on the liability side. So I'm, I'm with you on that one. Uh, give us a glimpse of your morning routine since you're a Hal Elrod guy. I'm curious how you've adapted that.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I start every Sunday by planning out my week going forward. So that's one thing that's kind of different from that book. But I wake up every morning and I go get a workout in, uh, which is my main thing that I need to do before. Where I shifted it is that, you know, in in Hal Elrod's book, he says, get everything done by 8 a.m. And for me, you know, I love to read, but reading in the morning did not fit my schedule. It just... I would, while I was reading, I would just be worried about what emails are coming in because that's the time of day where I get most of my emails. So I switched that to uh, the evening, it relaxes me, I've gotten everything I've uh, I wanted done for the day so I can relax and read and it also helps me fall asleep. Um, and then I've always meditated mean, um, I've used a bunch of different apps and I do that first thing in the morning as well.
0: Perfect. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, Really appreciate all your answers. Where is uh, the place that we can find you online the most?
1: Yeah, you can go to our website uh, www.limitless-estates.com.
0: And I'm going to definitely drop that in the show notes. Uh, Take a look there. They've got some great content. You've got a few webinars you're putting out regularly about the multifamily space. So if you are interested in that, uh, sign up. Uh, they're going to bring some real good content. I'm, I'm definitely going to attend your next one coming up. I'm excited to hear what you guys have to present there. And uh, yeah, that will be in the show notes. So Kyle, thank you again for your time. Do you have any parting thoughts for the guests uh, before we sign it off?
1: Yeah, like I said earlier, just uh, get out of your comfort zone, take massive action, and I think you'll be happy with the results.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you again for your time and I appreciate you coming on the show today. Great. Thanks. Hans. Well, that does it for today's episode. Hopefully you enjoyed my conversation with Kyle Mitchell uh, and got some really good practical advice out of it. Uh, I know I sure did. He's, he's definitely something who's intentional and is really on a path, uh, to succeed for himself, and and I hope that came through in the interview. If you want to reach out to him and connect, uh, his website, which is in the show notes, is limitless-estates.com, so make sure you go check him out over there. They've got a lot of content. They do some webinars, and they uh, will definitely chat with you if you're interested in the real estate Uh, investment game. And while you're in the show notes, get on my Calendly link, uh, a 15-minute call. I'd love to schedule with you uh, so we can have a chat. I can get to know you better. Uh, You can tell me what kind of guests you're liking, what kind of questions you're liking, what you want to have me ask some of the guests uh, so I can keep bringing better content to you because that is what this is all about. So look forward to talking to you then. And until then, this is Hans Strasina, host of Another Way to Play. And remember make every chapter better than the last.
2: Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at Chief S-N-A-H on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play.